We all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. Do you have a good Saturday? What do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So if you're the kind of person who'd like to listen to two people talk about music and what it means to them, and you'd like a new mixtape to listen to every Monday, please consider subscribing. And if you enjoy what you hear, It would mean the world to me if you would leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. But if you're already on board and you'd like to support the podcast, you can now do that on Patreon. Now that is a platform that will allow you to set up a monthly donation to support me in return for bonus content that isn't available publicly. I'm just starting out on the platform, so I'm kind of getting to grips with it. I'm in the process of uploading the raw, unedited video of the conversation I had with Ed Lee, which is one of my favourite episodes. And it's a good example of there being some interesting and engaging conversation that takes place in the preamble before we officially start the episode. And again, in the farewell section that ends up on the cutting room floor because I like to try and make the, the episode as concise as possible. I'm also in the process of uploading my stand-up set that I was using before the pandemic started, which serves me in a couple of ways. Hopefully it gets a couple of you guys on board to sign up to the Patreon. But it also means that I'm going to have to write new material because anyone who does support me on Patreon will have heard all of my jokes. But don't worry, Mixtapes is always going to be free for you to enjoy, but there is a cost involved in producing it and putting it out, and there are things that I would like to do to improve the standard of the podcast and grow the audience that I can't do yet because I don't have the budget. So if you'd like to help me achieve those things, you can do that on patreon.com slash mixtapeswithmike. But enough about all of that, let's talk about music. Now, this week's guest is a stand-up comic who has her own podcast that deals with the very tricky subject of relationships breaking down. We also have some common ground in that we were both formerly musicians before we ever told a joke on stage ourselves. So this week's guest is stand-up comic, podcaster and author, Rosie Wilby. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, Mike. Nice to meet you. And you, and you. Thank you very much for stepping in at the last minute. We had, we had a bit of a, a scheduling problem this week. <laughs> And I'm, det- and I'm determined to stick 
to this boy-girl release pattern so that it's not just all male guests all the time. Um, yeah. And, and we'd spoken uh, last month about getting you on and you'd already sent me your mixtape, so I chanced my arm to see if you could step in and here you are. Here I am, that's right, yeah. Well, it's it's quite good timing because I've got a book coming out this week, so I'm, I'm keen to be podcasting away this week and <laughs> letting letting people know all about the book that's coming out so it's it's good timing for me perfect absolutely perfect so i i first heard of you through your podcast because i've seen that sort of uh, about on social media and the several comedians yeah. who i follow who, who've guested the one i listened to recently was the jessica foster q episode Oh, that was a lovely one, yeah. So the podcast is called The Breakup Monologues, we should probably say that, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is all about breakups and relationship endings. But yeah, it was a lovely episode with Jess uh, because she sort of talked about, well, breaking up with uh, the father of her child and embarking on a new sort of relationship journey and having a relationship with a woman. So that kind of interesting kind of shift along the sexuality spectrum it was very interesting to talk about that yeah and i think one of the things that impressed me about her attitude towards that whole thing in that in that particular episode was and maybe she sounds more level-headed in hindsight but certainly her approach was quite methodical <laughs> in sort of like <laughs> i want this to be as easy on you as possible all of the all of the stuff about how we parent our child is up for debate but the, but this is definitely ending i know that, that's a wonderful little clip i actually picked that bit out um to use as a clip on social media because i loved what she said about doing trying to do a breakup as kindly as possible which is a lot of what i've been writing and speaking about for a number of years since i did a comedy show called the conscious uncoupling <laughs> which is of course a phrase that gwyneth paltrow made famous a few years ago now for the idea of an ethical separation where you try to remain amicable particularly if you have children or pets <laughs> and you know you want to keep things keep things as friendly as you possibly can in the emotional quagmire of a separation which is it's always very very difficult times for for everybody involved but yeah if you can somehow preserve some kind of friendship and connection it's it's a nice way of going about things i think so yeah i loved that clip that, that when jess sort of said yeah you know everything about how we do this is totally up for debate and i think you've got to if you are breaking up with somebody it's such a shock to them usually because often it's one person who's made a decision very privately and maybe the other person thought the relationship was <laughs> was fine you know mm. um, relationships go up and down you know we have our challenges and it's rare that you don't have any clue that maybe something's going a little bit wrong, but you probably think you're going to work through it. And so it can be a real shock when your partner kind of <laughs> reveals the news that they do want to end the relationship. So I think if somebody can give you some kind of control over at least how it plays out and how the process goes, I think that's that's a really healthy thing to do. Uh, but yeah, we... <laughs> We can't always do it that in, in that much of a grown-up way, no, can we? <laughs> no, and I think that's maybe something we learn from time and maybe we learn from getting it wrong several times. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a fascinating sort of subject matter because obviously every situation 
is different. I mean, there's probably a lot of common ground along the way, but you know, the the motives and the reasons and the 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 emotional fallout will vary in every instance. So it's it's a yeah, it's a very very clever concept. So, but you but you're also on the stand up circuit. That's right. Yeah, I've been doing stand up shows for. Oh, God, a number of years now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, since about 2006. And before that, I was a musician. So I've always been interested in music. And actually, I think music is really interesting when we do talk about relationships and breakups, because often it's the sad songs that can get you through a breakup and <laughs> you can kind of nurse your your broken heart along to broken hearted songs. So I think that's why I was quite interested to do a podcast like like this one but I've always loved music and played music and I've been a music journalist and a music publicist for a little while as well so I've definitely been in and around music even though in my comedy shows I haven't uh, um, well I haven't often played live music there was one show where I kind of did a bit of a reflection on my Britpop career, my failed Britpop career (laughs) it was a show called How Not To Make It In Britpop and I did play uh, one or two of my old songs, which were actually good songs, but um, so I'm I'm kind of lampooning myself a little bit to say I had a failed Britpop career because I did have an album out and and have some nice reviews, but you know it was all very um, DIY and grassrootsy rather than mm. uh, <laughs> you know big time fame or anything like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, but I've always used bits and pieces of music in in my shows that kind of add a little extra texture. Okay. So how did you approach putting your mixtape together then? Um, I was interested in just creating a mixtape that uh, kind of spoke to the sort of themes that I'm thinking about at the moment, about relationships and breakups. And I chose a few songs that I've used as walk-on music to my shows about relationships and breakups. So (laughs) it just... Um, means I've got little memories and stories. Um, I mean, there's tons and tons of music that I love, but I suppose this playlist was, or mixtape, was kind of inspired by thinking about how music has sort of weaved in with my creative work about love and about heartbreak. So it was it was inspired by those kind of themes a little bit. Okay, so, so who's the first track by? Well, this first track is by Fleetwood Mac, um, who I think you've got to have on classic breakup playlist because, of course, <laughs> you know, they were releasing music and touring through, <laughs> you know, big relationship breakups, big divorces. And so I kind of, I really love this band and I used to play this track as my walk-on music to the shows that I just mentioned, um, the conscious uncoupling, and this was sort of to to set the tone because <laughs> it's kind of a really I love kind of upbeat songs that are about kind of breakups and heartbreak and and being dumped and yeah I just think um, you know in particular the sort of Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks split and the way they had to <laughs> you know sing together about their split is uh, particularly fascinating to me so i i do really love fleetwood mac and um yeah i think, think this is a great song that that i loved kind of using as a as a walk-on music sh- to the show and literally spoke about the tumultuous relationships that they had last week 
uh, with uh, Andrew Chow for Canadian stand-up that I had on. Uh, he, yeah. he picked a different track, but we we did get into how rare their situation was in that everything was falling apart internally and emotionally, but professionally, they kind of held it together uh, you know on the face of it maybe uh, for the for the sake of performance <laughs> and for the sake of the of their records um whereas normally you would want to get as far away from that person as possible but to then carry on seeing them all the time no i mean it is remarkable i've i've had kind of professional breakups as well where it's it's and, and when i had bands you know before i you know, went solo as a musician and then went into comedy. And when those bands break up as well, it's so, so painful. It's very much like a relationship breakup. But I think it, it's really hard in any of those kind of circumstances to continue seeing that person on a sort of day-to-day basis. I mean, I've had partners I've stayed living in the same house with because, you know, we're on the rental contract for another few months or something, mm-hmm. or there's just some practical reason, financial reason why it's difficult to for anybody to move out yet. And it's just so hard to have your daily life with that person still closely in it. Even if you do intend to kind of stay friends and stay in touch, it's, it's hard to have them that present in your life while you might want to be thinking about moving on or they might want to be thinking about moving on. <laughs> you might feel that that's happening right under your nose. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, is, uh... I think with a lot of bands, there's a lot of great music that comes out of tension. You know, there's, there's, lots, of, there's lots of bands where it's quite publicly known that there's friction between one or two of the members, you know, like the Gallaghers, for example. Yeah, um, classic, yeah. You know, I, there's another artist on your playlist who had a fractious relationship with his bandmates. Um, but but it's rare that they're actually romantically involved and yet, yeah, which just made the whole situation all the more fascinating. Definitely. I mean, I suppose, I suppose the other parallel might be ABBA, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is? Well, this is Fleetwood Mac and Go Your Own Way. You can go your own way. All right, so moving on from Fleetwood Mac, who are we listening to now? Well, next we're listening to Kate Bush and I didn't really properly, properly get into Kate Bush until I came to London in the early 90s and the Red Shoes album was on a listening post at Virgin Megastore when people used to go into you know, record stores and listen to albums on the listening post. I mean, it seems such an archaic idea now, doesn't it? Because <laughs> we can just listen to stuff on Spotify. I, I remember being um, fascinated by the notion of going into our price in the time where I live and you could scan the barcode on the CD in this machine <laughs> and it would play it on headphones so you could sample it a little wow. bit and decide yeah. whether you wanted to buy it. it. Whereas now we're just, everything's already in your pocket. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And I do have a lot of nostalgia for 
old formats and you know I used to actually really love cassettes I don't know why because they were terrible and they would get all chewed up and you know you would have to do that thing where you wind on with a pencil and kind of I would have all little repaired tapes with bits of sellotape stuck on them and god knows but um I did buy a lot of albums on cassette but you know obviously vinyl but and cds as well and for quite a long time I worked as a music journalist and got a lot of free cds so that that was fun but I did uh, when I moved in with my partner three years ago now I did have a big CD cull and sold a lot of CDs to a second-hand record shop obviously they don't get much money these days mm. sadly but um, you yeah, know there was there were some really interesting it was a good kind of selection of stuff some interesting albums in there but um, yeah, this Kate Bush track I remember listening to a lot when I was heartbroken. At in some ways, I was heartbroken at coming to London, even though it was incredibly freeing to because I'd lived, I grew up in a town called Ormskirk in Lancashire, and then went to university in York, and then briefly was living in Newcastle, mm-hmm. and then I came down to London, and I'd always been up north in places where there wasn't really. Well, there wasn't much of a big gay scene and I did want to be able to be in a city where I could comfortably come out as a gay woman. And this was the early 90s when, you know, it was difficult to find places where you could sort of find a thriving gay scene. And yes, you know, in the cities up north, there were smaller pockets of LGBT culture and, you know, Manchester and Liverpool and and Newcastle did have one or two gay bars as well. Um, But I really wanted to get down to London to find that sort of culture and obviously a rich kind of tapestry of music and film and so much culture to immerse myself into but when I had briefly spent some time in Newcastle I had fallen in love or lust or infatuation or something with a woman four years older than me so I was 22 and she was 26 which seemed incredibly grown up and sophisticated (laughs) and so I was a bit sort of in in this kind of sense of adoration, really, and hadn't really found my sense of self and my feet as yet. And so I remember kind of writing love letters and kind of starting to write songs. And, and you know, she would be, I suppose, something of a muse, this woman who, you know, I had left up in Newcastle and we'd had this you know short relationship for like three months and it was clear we weren't really gonna stay together so it wasn't really because I was moving to London that it didn't last but I, that you know seemed like it was all wrapped up in why, why it had kind of come to this fairly kind of swift and abrupt end but uh, I can I can remember sort of listening to this particular track and really <laughs> kind of feeling all angsty about this woman and would I meet somebody who I felt this way about I had this kind of connection with or chemistry with or feelings for or attraction to again you know because it felt like something quite electric which it it does when you first meet somebody that you have a kind of sexual attraction and sexual chemistry with and I think also when you when you're gay you feel like there may be not that many options of partners because statistically it feels like there are you know there are less people out there in the world who are are available to you 
And certainly when you first come out um, as gay, you kind of think, oh, it seems like there's nobody. And then of course, you know, particularly when you get to London, you find out there are tons of gay women. <laughs> but at first you feel like maybe there's only a very, very small pool of people. So, you know, maybe there's only one person for you, that, that idea of having the one. So I was in a funny little uh, house share, a lesbian house share in Walthamstow, um, East 17. <laughs> and it, it was kind of falling down and the landlord didn't want to pay for any repairs. And I can remember chatting to my flatmate one day across the kitchen and then suddenly we lost sight of each other because the uh, the floor, the ceiling from the floor above had suddenly caved in in between us. So it was that kind of tumble down place. But I do remember listening to my Kate Bush tape over and over again in this little funny lesbian house share, thinking about the woman I'd left in, in Newcastle. Okay, so this is? This is Kate Bush and you're the one. Moving on from Kate Bush, who's up next? Well, this is a singer who I, I really love. Um, Richard Hawley, I think, is wonderful, wonderful songwriter and vocalist and, well, very, very funny when you see him live on stage as well. And he actually produced an album for an artist that I really, really love as well, who only ever... Well, she released a debut album back in 2004. I don't know if you ever heard of a, a woman called a girl called Eddie, um, but I'm, she's been on my mind lately because she's just released a new album. She's based in New York now, but she's kind of the lost sort of classic dusty Karen Carpenter. <laughs> so I do, I do urge people to go and check out her self-titled debut album from 2004, which Richard Hawley produced because it is wonderful. It's like if you imagine. A Richard Hawley album, but with a classic kind of Dusty-esque female song singer helming it. Um, but anyway, this is one of Richard's own songs, which I really strongly associate with my time living in Brixton in South London. And I was coming towards the end of my um, last relationship before I met my partner, who I'm actually I'm actually engaged to now. So that all of this kind of musing on relationships and love has brought me to a happy place where I've kind of really worked out how how to be in a relationship, how to articulate what I need and how to communicate and compromise and negotiate with a partner. So there's sort of a happy ending to all the deep thought that I've put into researching relationships. Um, but when my previous relationship was ending, I spent a lot of time kind of pacing around and strolling around Brockwell Park because we uh, lived in a rented house in Brixton, which I really, really loved. And I love Brockwell Park. I love the Lido at Herne Hill. Uh, there's a walled garden where I wrote many of the chapters to my first book, Out By Hand. And I would often um, listen to music whilst walking around Brockwell Park and listen to a selection of tracks on... I've got a bit of an ancient... Um, iPod. It's like one of the really early, <laughs> early model ones, but it still seems high tech to me, you know, because I'm such an old school girl. But yeah, I do get laughed at because it, it's kind of, it's a bit of one of the, you know, the early old school ones. Um, but one of the songs on my playlist was this particular song and I had a particular 
memory one day of walking past the tennis courts in Brockwell Park and it was just that sort of early autumn time when the golden leaves are all falling down off the trees and there were these beautifully golden leaves trapped in the wire fencing of the tennis courts and the sun was kind of glinting on them and I had this kind of moment which sounds perhaps a little cheesy but it felt slightly poetic as well because this particular song was just beginning the strings were just sort of coming in into my ears and it's just such a romantic song that it filled me with the sense of something poetic something meaningful and romantic and so I saw these golden leaves as sort of like trophies kind of lined up like kind of a celebration of my old relationships my past loves and you know maybe rather than viewing them as failures there was still something to be celebrated and uh, maybe it was okay to sort of be moving on to kind of be opening up my heart to new new people new connections and certainly this relationship ending was one that me and my ex tried to do as respectfully and amicably as we could you know there was a little period of kind of you know of it becoming tricky emotionally but we have stayed good friends um i, I only just saw her with her new girlfriend um we we all kind of met up just yesterday so you know and we hang out and it's fun and it's 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 good so yeah, I think it was certainly a time of, of growth and of thinking and feeling how I would want to do a relationship ending and how I would want to do a new relationship beginning as well. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because Richard Hawley was picked for the very first episode of Mixtapes when I first launched it back in 2017. It, it went on hiatus for a while because I was just too busy but the very first episode was with a comedian by the name of Andrew McBurney who, who plays a bit of music in his set yeah. and I didn't realise I knew the name but I didn't know much about him but I didn't realise that he was one of the the band members of the, the Long Pigs and that that was what I was oh. referring to in, in, in the tense relationships within a band dynamic creating amazing music but yeah. ultimately the project isn't sustainable because it's it's the uh maybe the atmosphere between a couple of the people is is so toxic that it 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 just it just can't sustain and but what i love about his music since sort of being exposed to him is that he you could imagine dropping his music into like a bygone era of sort of sort of 60s crooner kind of um yeah these broken heart melodies uh, especially with the instrumentation he, he favors and he really wouldn't sound out of place and no. so I, I it made me smile to see him on you on your playlist again um today so uh so, so what track is this um it's the wonderful open up your door open up your door Okay, moving on from Richard Hawley, who are you listening to now? Well, we're now listening to Neil Young. And this is 
a track from an album I would have had on cassette. I was mentioning my love of cassettes and I would have been listening to when I was a student at York University at the beginning of the 90s. And this track was a particular favourite. And I think it is just many people's favourite Neil Young song because it is just so, it's so beautiful and um, it's, it's really kind of melodic and sing along. And um, I can remember it was when I was first kind of coming out and I had a bit of an unrequited crush. And I remember walking the, the corridors of my college at York University sort of hoping to see this woman and this was kind of my theme tune a tiny bit from from that kind of time but then this song really disappeared from my life for many many years until I was in my relationship that I'm in now with my fiance and we were watching the show Big Little Lies the first series a couple of years or so ago and there's a scene where this this song comes on um, and I think Nicole Kidman and her husband in that series when they're getting on well <laughs> not to give too many spoilers away <laughs> um, they I think they sort of dance to it and it's kind of a, a quite a sweet romantic scene and my girlfriend we'd never sort of spoken about this song and she was like, oh, I love this song. And I was like, oh my God, I love this song too. I haven't heard it for years. So we ended up putting this on a little playlist that we compiled on Spotify that was some of our favourite songs that we started listening to a lot around the same time that we met. Um, there was a Laura Marling track on there as well that we we really, really love as well. And the Shura song, um, a couple of other things as well that, that we were really just really loving at that time so there's this playlist that is very evocative of that of that time when we were first getting together and then when um we had decided that we were getting engaged when she sort of rather casually proposed to me in the park and i didn't even know she was serious um we decided we were going to have a little um, kind of engagement get together. Last September, we had a few friends all get together at a little Airbnb house that we rented. Unfortunately, it was kind of in between the lockdowns. So it was possible for us all, all to get together. And um, so I had decided that for the first time in a long while, I was going to get my guitar out and I had been practicing Harvest Moon. And I had a friend of mine um, Maggie, who was along at this gathering as well, and she plays a little bit of um, a banjo and tin whistle, and she was she did some, um, you know, the kind of harmonica mm -hmm. solo um, on the whistle and stuff, and she she uh, she kind of played along, and also uh, my friend Lisa, who's a drummer, she did a little bit of percussion as well. So we did this kind of little impromptu gig, and. Uh, yeah, my girlfriend Suze was was really touched when, as soon as we started, you know, that opening riff, <laughs> and she knew what the song was. I mean, I'm not claiming to uh, play it quite like Neil, but but we did okay. <laughs> there is a we did post a video of it on Facebook, so I didn't feel too uh, too ashamed of my rusty <laughs> musicianship. <laughs> okay, so this track is Harvest Moon. <laughs> Because I'm still in love with you I want to see you dance again Because I'm still 
Okay, so moving on from Neil Young, who's up now? Um, we've got Rufus Wainwright now, um, who I love so many of his tracks, and I love that he's so queer, really. I guess as a gay woman, I love kind of, I think actually the, this artist and the next artist are both LGBT artists, and I love Rufus's voice. I remember seeing him early doors, I think one of his very early London gigs when I was... Um, a music journalist at Time Out and I had um, guest tickets. He did a, a show at a club called The Eve Club, which was a really tiny, intimate gig. And um, so he would have been playing tracks from his first album, self-titled first album. And yes, I've always just found his voice just incredible. And when I said I had a cull of all my CDs when I moved in with my partner, I've just got this tiny pile of CDs that, that I did keep and one of them is a kind of a lovely kind of best of little box set of Rufus Wainwright I was sent which it just feels like such a lovely piece mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it just looks it's kind of more than just your average kind of CD in a plastic box it was in this lovely presentation case and it was one of the kind of best kind of promo CDs I felt like I I got sent because um, it's this double album with so many great tracks on it so I have kept that one even though you know I don't really have my CD player out <laughs> on display anymore it's kind of away in the cupboard um, so I don't really sit there and listen to the CD but I, <laughs> I still have, have that CD because uh, I love Rufus's voice but this particular song is a cover not one of his own songs and I think it's been sung by well, lots of really, really fantastic people. And it's really, it's really interesting how different vocalists imbue it with a slightly different feeling. But I think it's always just such a great song and it sounds great whoever does it. Well, I actually heard this track because it was given to me on a mixtape. Well, it was a mixed CD of, you know, so a mixtape of sorts. And because this is from the I Am Sam soundtrack, which is as far as I know all Beatles covers and I think there's more than one cover of this song on that album if memory serves I think Fiona yeah. Apple does a version of it as well ah yeah well, Fiona yeah but didn't her now that her version of it has been on another film as well I think I, I, I I'm, I... Well, I'm not sure but um, mm. this I thought the album that this is from I adore because it, it's lots of new takes on wonderful Beatles songs Um but this was the first one that I'd heard off that album. And I think the, the instrumentation on it is beautiful. His voice is incredible. It's a really, really beautifully done cover. Uh, and I'm really glad that you picked it. So this is... Across the Universe. Okay, so moving on from Rufus Wainwright, who are we listening to now? Well, now we're listening to Katie Lang, um, another kind of very brilliant and classic and out there LGBT icon and artist who I was lucky enough to interview once, actually, um, in 2011. And she... Um, was doing promo of her new album and at that time 
I wasn't um, I wasn't doing loads of music journalism anymore like I had been in the sort of late 90s when I was writing at Time Out. Um, but I did do some work for a website called musicomh.com and I did a few album reviews for them. And the editor, Michael, said to me, do you want to interview Katie Lang? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just sitting in a... A, you know, a little kind of conference room in a hotel on my own with Katie Lang for, you know, about 20 minutes or so. Yeah. And, and she was she was really great. And, um, yeah, really, really loved meeting her. Cause again, love her voice, love kind of what she's about and what she stands for. And, well, I think one of the most classic kind of queer moments of my younger life was when she... Uh, was on the cover of Vanity Fair, I think it was, shaving, uh, or Cindy Crawford was shaving her. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that uh, famous image. It was kind of one of the kind of iconic queer images of, of the 1990s, I think. Um, but yeah, I, again, another album, her first album was another album that I would have had in my little Walkman and <laughs> been wandering around listening to as a student. And this song that we're going to listen to i guess is her real classic kind of breakthrough hit i think okay so this is constant craving Okay, so moving on from Katie Lang, who's up next? Well, this is also a song that I would have been listening to at the time I was a student in the early 90s. And it's not an album I've really revisited for a long, long time, but I was thinking about breakups and my very first big breakup, which happened when I was um, revising my finals at, at uni and I had stayed on the campus at York University rather than go home for the Easter holidays I had stayed in theory to do my revision but also to get over a heartbreak and I was sort of walking around the deserted campus listening to well sometimes listening to Katie Lang but also listening to the Pet Shop Boys and for them I suppose a relatively downbeat album and their album Behaviour and this particular song um, well, was about a kind of sense of place and about sort of, you know, hating a particular place or, you know, wanting to escape or get away. And it kind of spoke to me really because I was at this stage in my life really itching to get to London um, because that seemed like the place where I would be able to start defining myself and doing the things that I wanted and needed to do and to find my community and find my family and certainly particularly to find a, a sort of a gay community and queer community. I, I think I've never gone in, or in in any kind of depth with the, the Pet Shop Boys, but whenever I do listen to them, I, I love their music. They've, they've, I think they've got a great sense of fun and sarcasm in a lot of the stuff they've done in the, in the later years of their career. But some you know a lot of the iconic tracks from the 80s just the yeah. the kind of haunting melodies that they they get in even in the up, even the upbeat tracks have a, a, like a 
a haunting, decadent sound to them. Uh, yeah. That just fascinates me. Um, the, 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 there's a friend of mine growing up who was just obsessed with them, and they they were pretty much the only music he listened to. Um. So so it was usually through him that I would be exposed to tracks by them, if 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 not by the music videos that were kind of current at the time. Um, mm. But they they've got such a such a, a broad back catalogue it's hard to know exactly where to start with them yeah and and like you say it although they all have a um a certain interesting kind of texture the, the songs are so so different um i mean i guess west end girls is you know maybe a real classic to start with and it does have that hauntingness even though it's a really great pop song as well um and I guess that would have been the first song of theirs that I ever would have heard. But then they've got some, you know, very, very upbeat and almost kind of campy songs mm. <laughs> as, as well as, as, you know, ones that feel um, much more reflective, like a lot that was on, on this particular album that I was listening to. Okay, so this track is? This must be the place I waited years to leave. Okay, so moving on from the Pet Shop Boys, who are we listening to now? Well, now we've got Queen, and <laughs> I just wanted to include this track because this was my walk-on music to a show that I took to Edinburgh in 2013 called Is Monogamy Dead? Um, which was the middle part of my trilogy all about love and relationships that has ultimately led to my podcast, The Breakup Monologues, and my new book, which is also called The Breakup Monologues. And in this show, I was really looking at how we can feel in some ways stifled in long-term relationships because we live such long lives now that sort of lifelong monogamy and marriage is not as realistic perhaps in the kind of society we live in where you know dating apps make us feel like there's just endless sort of romantic and sexual choices available to us and there's just this sense of impatience in a way about our modern culture and you know you can just kind of get anything now you know i mean you can download a track now rather than you know have to go and buy an album as we would have done in the old days go to our price or virgin or whatever um so i was sort of dealing with those questions and conflicts and compromises and trying to unpack it all and i did a survey asking what counts as cheating and was trying to find out what other people felt about what were the boundaries around fidelity and infidelity and how for some people it's about what their partner does, for some people it's about what their partner feels and whether they fell in love with somebody um, rather than whether they maybe had a snog at a party or whatever. So I I thought those questions were all really interesting and I felt this track really <laughs> in some ways spoke to me and represented that sense of of just, you know, 
wanting that kind of freedom. And of course, Freddie Mercury was uh, <laughs> known for enjoying some sexual freedom. That's an understatement, possibly. Um, <laughs> you could you could say he overindulged. Um, but you know what? I, I don't know if this is off topic or, or what, but like, obviously, I'd, as, as a child, I didn't understand what it was to be gay. So I, I just knew Freddie Mercury as this sort of flamboyant, larger-than-life frontman character in music videos. And, yeah. and it wasn't until much later that I realized, you know, you know, when you take a second look, oh, oh no, he is camp as Christmas in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it just it just never well, struck I mean, me that with way. With this video, the whole band were pretty camp. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really humorous video that in a lot of ways was very ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this track is? I Want to Break Free. Okay, so reluctantly moving on from Queen and Freddie Mercury's flamboyance. <laughs> Who's up next? Oh, the wonderful Dusty Springfield. Um, just such a classic artist and icon and um, wondrous, wondrous vocalist. Um, and I, I just keep hearing things about Dusty that make me feel so impressed about who she was. It's only recently I learned about the kind of stand she was making against apartheid long before anybody else. And, you know, how she kind of would get herself into trouble and, and you know, kind of, <laughs> she wasn't afraid to sort of put her head above the parapet. I mean, sadly, the, the one way in which she perhaps was afraid to put her head above the parapet was in terms of coming out uh, about her sexuality so um, she is definitely um, someone I find very fascinating and interesting from all of those kind of perspectives and again this was this was a track that I had on a sort of <laughs> you know one of my walking around Brockwell Park playlists um, when I was thinking about relationships that hadn't panned out so well and maybe I wish hadn't have happened. <laughs> Although ultimately everything, everything is a learning experience that gets us to the point we are we are at. We shouldn't really have regrets. I mean, the only regrets I have are maybe occasionally I've allowed relationships to go on past the time that they maybe should have. Um, but I don't actually really regret any of them having happened. No, I think um, I think there's there's something to take from every relationship you've had. I certainly know there's one relationship of mine that went on longer than it should have. And that was out of some sort of sense of obligation because they had maybe done, I'd felt they'd done so much for me overall. How could I possibly do this to this person? Yeah, yeah. And probably remained there longer than I should have out of some sort of sense of loyalty. Um, yeah. But it's only till it's it's only when you make the decision to break free of that that you realise 
that you're not being very fair to yourself. But as I said before, these are all things that come with time and experience. You know, none of us are fully formed when we when we enter into our first relationship. So we are we are all destined to fuck it up. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the goal is to learn from all of that. So, uh, so this track is. It's I wish I never loved you. Okay, so moving on from Dusty Springfield, we now find ourselves at your final track. But before we get stuck into that, for the benefit of anyone who's discovering you for the first time, where's the mm. best place to find out about who you are and what you do? Uh, and, 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 and tell us about the new book. Yeah, so, um, yes, well, I'm Rosie Wilby, and there is a website, rosiewilby.com, which um, is just a fairly basic website, but it takes you to all the other places you need to go to, um, like all my social media feeds, um, Twitter, at Rosie Wilby. I'm on Instagram under the guise of my podcast, at Breakup Monologues, which is, I think, where we're connected, yes. you and I. And... Um, so yeah you can certainly uh, find me there the breakup monologues podcast is available on all podcast platforms and the breakup monologues is also the title of the new book which really tells my story of what i've learned from all my past breakups and all the interviews i've done with comedians and authors and academics and experts about relationship endings and how to recover from them and taking all that on board and how that has helped me to find who I want to be in a relationship and communicate and negotiate and actually <laughs> try and stay in a relationship for once. Um, so it's a lot of kind of quite funny, humorous memoir, memoir about the sort of challenges of relationships and how difficult they are, even when we want to stay in them and we're happy and we're in love. But, you know, you still have days where you're <laughs> really annoyed at each other. Um, and but also there are breakup stories from other people. There are interesting sciencey chapters about maybe the time when I went and took part in a sex lab <laughs> at the University of Essex, where basically I was wired up to a computer which was kind of measuring my arousal and my pupil dilation and stuff like that. Um, and they were doing these experiments in sexual orientation. And so they're measuring how you respond to watching clips of erotica <laughs> of men and women. Um, so you can read all about my slightly humorous account of uh, taking part in some sex research, which I just thought, if you're interested in writing about love and relationships, you've got to put yourself into these uh, situations sometimes and uh, be the lab rat in the, uh, in the sex research. <laughs> um, so, and also there are some chapters about uh, kind of future technology, whether we might be able to take an anti-love drug in the future to help us get over a relationship breakup, a bit like a real life version of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> oh, like a, one of my like, favorite like, like, films. Like a reset button in a pill. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. You could, you could sort of, kind of. It's not quite like erasing the memories as such, but you could sort of reduce the trauma attached to them. Uh, so 
there's a lot of interesting research around that sort of sense of how we could harness specific chemicals to either help us kind of work through our relationships. I mean, did you know MDMA was actually often used in couples therapy uh, before it became outlawed as a rave drug? Uh, and, you know, there are other chemicals that we don't know the side effects are actually quite good at helping us to detach from maybe an abusive partner like SSRIs. Um, they have side effects which can make us feel less attached to somebody. So a bit like what this um, neuroethicist that I interview calls an anti-love drug. So it's very, very interesting stuff. Oh, this sounds fascinating. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Okay, so we'll make sure that we put links in the show notes to all of your creative endeavours. The, the podcast is yeah. well, I've really enjoyed listening to it uh, sort of leading up to our conversation uh, the book sounds fascinating, so we'll make sure that we we point the the listener towards all of that. But yeah, brilliant. But before we say goodbye, we need to talk about what your last track is. So, who, who's your last track by? <laughs> well, um, I've chosen one of my own songs because um, I kind of felt like reminiscing about the fact that before I did comedy and wrote books and began my podcast. And this is going back years now. I, I was a musician and I did release one album, which was sort of distributed and was out. I mean, it was on my own label, but it was out in all the record shops. And um, I, yeah, so I've got a track called This Love, which seems to fit with this idea of doomed, <laughs> doomed relationships and doomed love. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of had a bit of a soft spot for this track and, and loved singing it live um, because it, it seemed to just capture that, that real feeling of, of a relationship going, starting to go a bit wrong. And it was written about when my, my first serious girlfriend and I were, we were living together in Finsbury Park. Um, and again, we stayed friends and, and are still in touch and, and we have a, still have a nice friendship. But yeah, the relationship was sort of starting to go wrong because we were, you know, we were young, we were in our mid twenties and we weren't ready to kind of grow up and become adults yet. Maybe we needed to do some of that separately and individually. And uh, we had a lot of things happen all within a short space of time. Um, Sadly, my mum passed away and we also had this terrible house fire where we lo lost loads of our stuff, which I kind of sometimes joke about now because there were some <laughs> darkly humorous things that uh, that happened at the time that you can sort of, you know, after much, much time has passed, sort of laugh about in, in a sort of <laughs> quite a dark way. But it, it was certainly in a really eventful time in my life. And I remember writing this song, This Love, which was about this relationship, which had been a wonderful friendship in my sort of mid-twenties, um, really unravelling, at least in a romantic sense, even though we did we did hold on to a friendship. I listened to this. This was the last thing I listened to before I, I, I sent the Zoom link, because I, I wanted to have that kind of fresh in my mind. And <laughs> it, I saw similarities between that track and some of Richard Hawley's stuff. It, it kind of came, okay. it kinda, I, I saw, I, I did see almost like a female version of that kind of, the, the subject matter and, and, and the arrangement to a point. And 
And when I saw the the sort of that the album cover that attached to the song as well, like I could kind of I could kind of see or envision where you kind of sat within the kind of Britpop music scene, you know, like because <laughs> it, it was you know not not to not to knock the, the the artwork, but it but it did seem kind of contemporary for the time, you know. I was just like <laughs> it was. So yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh, was that, that's the one you saw the picture of me walking down the middle of the Archway Road in a, a yeah, sort of so like brown coat where I looked like I've got nothing on under the coat, and the Archway, the road, the bridge uh, Archway is in the background, which is um, well a famous kind of bridge suicide bridge, sadly, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was an interesting photo. No, because you, cause you, you told me that you know, is it okay if I put one of my own tracks in? I was like, yeah, sure, of course. But it wasn't until I looked at the album and went, oh, there's a whole other story here. You know, there's, <laughs> the, the, you know, she's 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 got a, an interesting story in in terms of music and performance. So it's, I, mean, that, I mean, there's actually a little bit of a parallel here in that I was a musician before I became a comic, um, and. Uh, comedy led to me beco- uh, becoming a podcaster, so I've, I've, I've followed a, a slightly similar kind of mm. road. But um, interesting, yeah. It was it just it was weird. Like I, I knew you were going to pick one of your own tracks, but it was seeing the album cover put everything in a completely different light when I saw it. I just, I just thought it was an interesting, interesting notion. But uh, it's a beautiful song, and I, I and oh, thank you and. And thank you very much for for coming on. I've I've really enjoyed this. It's been a really interesting conversation, and I'll, I'll make sure as many people as possible get sort of told about the book. Yeah, no worries. I'm I'm glad we got to do it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fun to chat about music. It's always good. Um, so yeah. So that concludes this week's episode and I really enjoyed that. It was a very interesting conversation. I think the premise of her podcast is fascinating. So I'll be sure to put links to all our creative endeavours in the show notes. And as always, we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you want to listen to Rosie's mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I will see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.